They say that power corrupts, and that absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's certainly what we see with Herod in our passage today. Hi, I'm Stuart, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this service from St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. As always, the food bank collection is open at St Ninian's each Sunday from 1 to 2pm. Your donations are most gratefully received. And our friends at Kirtmere Hill Church are running an online holiday club this year from Monday the 26th of July to Friday the 30th of July and they've invited us to join in. To sign up for primary school aged children, pop over to our website and click on the holiday club badge and there you will uh, be able to sign up on a form and a pack of materials will be delivered so that you can join in with all the crafts, songs, stories and activities. Today in worship, I'm joined by Catherine and Lewis. Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 6, verses 14 to 29, the death of John the Baptist. Now King Herod heard about all this because Jesus' reputation had spread everywhere. Some people were saying, John the Baptist has come back to life. That is why he has this power to perform miracles. Others, however, said, he is Elijah. Others said, he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. When Herod heard it, he said, He is John the Baptist. I had his head cut off, but he has come back to life. Herod himself had ordered John's arrest, and he had him chained and put in prison. Herod did this because of Herodias, whom he had married, even though she was the wife of his brother Philip. John the Baptist kept telling Herod, It isn't right for you to be married to your brother's wife. So Herodias held a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she could not because of Herod. Herod was afraid of John because he knew that John was a good and holy man, and so he kept him safe. He liked to listen to him, even though he became greatly disturbed every time he heard him. Finally, Herodias got her chance. It was on Herod's birthday when he gave a feast for all the chief government officials, the military commanders, and the leading citizens of Galilee. The daughter of Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and his guests. So the king said to the girl, What would you like to have? I will give you anything you want. With many vows, he said to her, I swear that I will give you anything you ask for, even as much as half my kingdom. So the girl went out and asked her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. The girl hurried back at once to the king and demanded, I want you to give me here and now the head of John the Baptist on a dish. This made the king very sad, but he could not refuse her because of the vows he had made in front of all his guests. So he sent off a guard at once with orders to bring John's head. The guard left, went to the prison and cut John's head off. Then he brought it on a dish and gave it to the girl, who gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about this, they came and took away his body and buried it. Speaking truth to power doesn't always end well. Just ask any of the Old Testament prophets. Calling out those with power, those in charge, those with much to lose can put you in a position where all of their power can be focused on you. Remember, power is one of the big themes of Mark's Gospel. This constant struggle between good and evil, between the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of God, are the setting for everything that happens. Last week, we heard about Jesus going home to Nazareth. The people there, the people he had grown up with, The people who perhaps thought they knew him best rejected him. They couldn't get past their own ideas about who Jesus was and who they thought he would be. Even though he taught with such wisdom that they were astounded, 
They couldn't, they wouldn't hear him. Just after that, Jesus sends out his own disciples to call on the people to repent, to change their way of thinking, telling them to take nothing with them, but to rely instead on God. But Jesus is realistic about what they will face. The disciples will also meet with resistance, with people who don't want to listen or who just can't hear what they have to say because they don't want to change their way of life. They don't want to live differently, often because it would involve giving up the privilege and status that they have. In the middle of this story, while Jesus' disciples are still out on mission, Mark tells us about the traumatic fate of John the Baptist. Herod Antipas is the local king, and like many people with unchecked power, he uses it for his own gain. He's married the daughter of one of his rivals in a bid to cement a political truce, but Herod has been a terrible husband and she's returned to her father. And now Herod has taken his own brother's wife as his wife. John the Baptist has pointed out rather loudly that this was unlawful. And so rather than doing the right thing, Herod has John arrested in an attempt to silence the criticism. Things go from bad to worse. It's Herod's birthday. So he throws a party to impress his friends and followers and towards the end of the meal, Herod's daughter comes in and dances. She pleases Herod and his guests, so Herod makes an offer that's both generous and foolish. Ask for anything you want, anything, and you can have it. And it's there in that moment that the problems of this world are revealed. Herod has just given his word. He's promised the girl anything that she asks for. And he's made the promise in front of the whole court. Everybody heard. The girl asks for the one thing he really doesn't want to give her. Bring me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. It's a little bit like the dilemma Pilate will face with Jesus. He knows Jesus is innocent, but he can't let him go free because power is at stake. Herod is stuck between two outcomes, both of which are shameful. And honour and shame are a very big deal. You have to keep your word. But at the same time, Herod knows, and so does everyone else, that John the Baptist has done nothing more than speak the truth. In the end, Herod makes the decision to keep his promise, however much he regrets it now. We've spoken quite a bit about how Mark presents his gospel as a battle between the forces of life and the forces of death. This is one of the most powerful and disturbing examples, which ends in the death of John the Baptist. I mentioned at the start that all of this plays out when Jesus' disciples are out on mission. Those ordinary people empowered to drive out the forces of darkness, healing people, calling on them to repent. When we read the whole chapter, it's much easier to see the full picture of the struggle. This is a kind of sandwich story with Herod's horrific exercise of power stuck in the middle as a reminder of just how high the stakes are. Jesus himself won't just face the kind of rejection that he did at Nazareth. He'll find himself in a very similar position to John. In the middle of all this, mayhem is a choice. Actually, a number of choices. Herod isn't the only one who makes a bad choice. The girl asks her mother what she should wish for. It's her mother who asks for John's head because it's also her morality that is being publicly criticised. She seizes the chance and manipulates her daughter. And what about the girl? We know her as Salome. Does she have any choice in all of this? 
She's just a pawn in the whole diabolical scheme of things. Being able to say you're wrong is what repentance is all about. Recognising where things have to change, where ideas, policies and practices are problematic and taking the hard choices to step away from them and do something different is, is hard. We all know that. Aubrey de Graff suggests that we shouldn't cling to our mistakes just because we spent a long time making them. And that's exactly what's at the heart of this cautionary tale. Herod has built up his own power base with exactly these kinds of actions. He's put his rivals and critics to death. He's rewarded his supporters. He's bought loyalty with a heady mix of money and fear. Herod can't stop now. At least that's what he thinks. Because if he does stop, the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. We're not Herod, thank goodness. But the graph's advice rings true for all of us. Just because we've put a lot of time and effort and money into something that doesn't work anymore, it's not a good reason to keep on doing it. How often do we know that we're wrong? That we're making a poor choice? That we're in way too deep? And we just keep on going? I think perhaps more often than we would like to admit. Herod is in many ways a caricature of the problem of both the pursuit of power and the inability to make good choices. But when we look behind the horror of his actions and the weakness of his choices, we see ourselves. The times when we've gone along with something, when we've said yes for a quiet life or denied something that was true or held someone back from something because... Well, we thought it would make us look bad, even though we knew it was the right thing to do. They say we get the leaders we deserve. In Herod's case, it was true. He was a magnification of the whole system. Perhaps the same is true for us. And yet, even with all of those poor choices that lead to disastrous outcomes, we so often miss the line at the end of the story. When John's disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. John's disciples were unafraid. They came to the seat of power and they asked for the body of their master. And they did the right thing. One act of kindness to counterbalance all of the violence. We speak often about integrity, especially in public life. It's hard. We all fall short. I wonder if much of our problem is that we know that and so we're fearful of seeming like hypocrites if we hold each other accountable. But the basis of improving our life together has to be the hope that repentance is possible, that we can all change, that we can all be better, that we can all do better. And recognising that we all fall short, we challenge each other from a place of concern and humility rather than point scoring and retribution. Repentance starts with each of us honestly looking at ourselves, but it leads to a greater commitment to each other. We live together in community. When I take responsibility for myself, that makes things better. But it's not until we realise that we will never reach the potential that Jesus came to show us until we take responsibility for each other. Not to be held responsible for each other's wrongs, but to encourage and support each other, to make sure that everyone is looked after to ensure that nobody is left behind. These are the moments when the kingdom of God comes near. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for the time we share together whenever we are. 
We thank you for the joy of our family and friends, wherever we are. We thank you for the simple things in life, whatever we do. Lord, we join our hearts and minds in prayer, not only in celebration before you, but also with our hearts weighed down with so many sad and troublesome things happening in the world today. Right now we think of all those who are going through difficult times, or are feeling alone or discouraged. May they know your loving warm presence surrounding them. We bring to you all those who have got caught in bitter conflicts, or racial tensions, or community prejudices. May they know your divine care and protection within them. We lift to you all those whose lives are overshadowed by pain, illness, mental health problems and bereavement. May they find everlasting hope in you. We seek your direction for all those who are leading our country and community with perseverance, without adequate reward. May they be strengthened by your Holy Spirit. For these and all your people we pray for the richness of your blessing among us and draw us closer to you, our loving and gracious God. And we join together and say the words of the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Glorified, no angel in the sky. 
can't fully bear the sight But downward bends his burning eye At mystery so bright Crown him the Lord of peace His kingdom is at hand We go now with the blessing of God, Creator, Source and Spirit, with us all today and every day. Amen.